Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? We are sheltering in place, but not because of the pandemic, but because there's a goddamn heat wave and it's miserable outside. Yeah, if you had asked me where are we today, I would have told you in hell. That is where we are. What's, because what's the temperature in your apartment right now? 95. 95 Fahrenheit. And I still pick this over going to a bar because at least here I have like two fans that just aim into my face. So what? But the last time there was a heat wave, I gave you the good advice to buy <laughs> an air conditioner. You didn't do that? Uh, no, because usually it only lasts like two days. I mean, just wait for a whole year to just get the next one. But I always forget that there is another heat wave every year for Labor Day. Every Hold fucking on, year. While I get another blanket because my air conditioner is a little too cold. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, first world behavior. <laughs> Well, next time there's a heat wave, if you still haven't bought one, we should just podcast at my place. <laughs> I mean, what I was thinking about it is that maybe we should actually just do a, a start doing a, how do you say, like a Patreon or something like that. <laughs> just <laughs> so Eric can go find me. <laughs> Eric can pledge three dollars. Thank you, Eric, for listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you are one of our six listeners. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, they can actually just sponsor sponsor me like an AC, you know, and then we can have like these Kickstarter campaigns that at the end of every episode, I will be like saying like, thank you, Blake's sister. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, what did we watch today? We watched the brand new release. It was released, what, Friday, right? I think so, yeah. Charles Kaufman film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which is actually based on a Canadian thriller that was well-received that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, 2018. I was surprised about that, about like how quick of a turnaround they had. Was it the book, like one of these, the New York Times or the New Yorker bestsellers? I'm sure it was. My sister reads about 50 books a year, and so she, when she finds something she knows that I'll like, she just buys it for me and sends it to my Kindle. And this is one of those books, so I oh, that's cool. read it, and it was interesting. I really liked it. And uh, you and I have a shared love of Charles Coffin, Charles Coffin, mm -hmm. um, mostly as a writer, let's be honest. We're not huge fans of him as a director, but... Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing is that, he, well, the reason why I picked this is exactly that, that we both share this love, it's a new movie, and I think there is like, we, most of the time, we rarely talk about recent cinema. Yep. Is that we rarely talk about something that is on the screen. I think that before we started the podcast, we talk about the favorite, and I think that I picked it because I really freaking loved that movie. Or you but, did, you liked it? Yeah, yeah, I think that I probably, if we go back, <laughs> you just... <laughs> They're just giving me shit right now. <laughs> Is there, While we're talking about Charles Kaufman, I'm adding uh, being John Malkovich to our list. That's good. Do you like being John Malkovich more than the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or his masterpiece adaptation? And I'm not uh, biased in your opinion right now. So let me think. I do think that it's a personal preference that I like being John Malkovich more than Eternal Sunshine. Which is weird because I have a total straight crush on Kevin's life. But I hate Jim Carrey, see? So there's a lot there's a lot going on. But you like um, Michael Gondry. Michelle Gondry. I do like Michelle Gondry a lot. Yeah. But um, so wait, to answer your question, I think being John Bell being John Malkovich is my favorite. Then Eternal Sunshine. And then adaptation for whatever reason, I like it, but it's not like, oh I wanna rewatch that and I wanna rewatch all of this other stuff. Oh, yeah. no, that's that's fair. I love it. I mean, it's one of those movies that is, I guess, mind blowing. It's like the first time that I say it's like, oh, they are like good screenwriters. They are like just people that if they grind the screenplay, I would be interested in watching the movie. And I have to say, I, that's my favorite Meryl Streep performance ever. Is a drug addict. That just is killer. It's so good. And then when her boyfriend loses his teeth, I mean, that's just, it's exceptional, all of it. Well, he didn't have teeth to begin with. Yeah, that's right. But she was so into him and he was missing his teeth and it was just, <laughs> she was a I, drug addict. Yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, this is something that I haven't checked in it. And I know that we are digressing from the topic of the movie, but I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking, how good the original author of the Orchid Thief 
that is the world, that adaptation is very strong. How do you feel about like, oh yeah, and now she turned into a drug addict and she became a porn actress <laughs> <laughs> for the early online. It's like, I don't know, I mean, you may have like a lot of respect for Charles Kaufman and his screens, but maybe you may have like some kind of threshold about like, yeah, I, I rather it's not cross the line. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's Meryl Streep. Yeah, it's Meryl Streep portray me, but I think there is like, there is a limit for everything in this world. So I don't know. I know. I don't know exactly how he would, you know, like how she would feel. Maybe she would actually just roll with you. It's like this is so crazy, and that I want to see the end result of this. And it works. I mean, it's it's, it's insane. But it's like it's the first time that I saw like a script that is like I I almost think that I I mean I had like these temptations that I should actually just try to buy the original script and just not the book, not the not the orchid theme, but it's like. Yes. The, the script has to be insane. How this, how actually did he write something like this? And he turned, Spike Jones like turned it into this movie. He, uh, yeah, his, his mind works in a, a way that's intriguing and completely ununderstandable to me. Yeah, but it actually works. Is that now I'm going to say? Well, you have to summarize what the movie is about first before I actually say if I like it or not. So the movie is about a woman named Lucy, sometimes Louisa. Uh, she has several different names that change yeah. throughout the She just started dating this, this new guy. They're both uh, students, and what they study changes throughout the film. Sometimes she's not into poetry at all. Sometimes she's studying poetry. This changes throughout. And they're going on a road trip. Not a road trip. They're going to, she's going to meet his parents at their farm in the middle of Oklahoma. Uh, and they do this do they say where they leave they didn't but he said oh the local group performs oklahoma a couple times a year for obvious reasons so i assumed it was oklahoma sure i mean they may live in oklahoma city but at the same time it's like a there is there is like this kind of a it's not hermetic well sorry i don't want to give away anything please just there's, there's nothing that like nails this down to a single point in time single place it's all very vague just like yeah. most of this stuff um, and then also at the end of the credits, you can see that it was actually filmed in New York, which uh, New York State, obviously. Um, yeah. So anyway, what is his name? The boyfriend's name? Uh, Jake. Jake. The character so is Jake, yeah. Lucy, driving to his parents' their farm. They are extremely strange. It's Tony Collette and the British actor that I like so much, and I can only think of. David Tools. Yes. David Tools. Eventually, they finish the dinner. They head. They're heading back, and they stop at a high school, and it just gets oh. really weird. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty weird. But uh, may I ask if you like it or not? Just yes or no? Yeah, yeah, a lot. I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot, but at the same time, it was something that just made me think about the Fight Club that we should add to the spreadsheet. But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, uh, with the Fight Club, it's one of those movies that there is a twist. Is that you may see it coming, there is like there is a twist. You don't necessarily know what it is, but there is a twist. And when the twist happens, is that the movie takes a shift. In this movie, there is a twist. You can almost smell it from the beginning. I think that the first time that you realize that there's going to be a twist is that when she actually go gets into the car, and she's thinking, like, oh, I'm thinking about ending things, and the boyfriend. Thing. She's like, oh, did you say something? Is that wait a second? The boyfriend can actually just hear her inner voice. Is like so. From that point, is like you can almost like just jump the gun and say, it's like, oh, she doesn't exist. She's just a figment of her imagination. Is that this is basically? So let's just let's just say before we go. Usually we review films that have been out for like eighty years. So spoiler alert. Big big spoiler. Yeah, that's this film. true. That's true. <laughs> but but that's really something that I wanted to ask you. Is like it looks like the book. It plays like way more into that about like is this real, is this not? But in this, there are like so many different signals to this is not real. Nothing yeah, of so, this is real. So we should call out that um, sh we are like almost God in this. Like we seem to be in her head. We can hear her thoughts. She seems to almost be narrating. Um, but. Yeah, then it brings up this, is she real or not? Is she an unreal narrator? What's going on? So so you mentioned this big reveal or a twist. Can you explain to me what you feel like the twist is? Because I feel like it's subjective. 
yeah, it may be subjective, but basically it feels it feels like that's the reflection of someone in his less his late stages of life that is the janitor in the high school like basically reflecting about like what he would have liked his life to be he would have liked to be like you know in his late 20s early 30s and just being with this very very interesting woman that is like just so cultivated and he had like such an interesting approach to life that is like if, if she is into poetry, the times that she's into poetry, she's like just a very accomplished poetist. Well, not accomplished, but at least she has like something very interesting thing to say, because when she actually narrates, when she recites that uh, poem, it's like it's a poem that he read when he was younger. It's, like, it's about me. It's like it almost feels like you actually wrote that about me. Or when she's a painter, it's like she's this very intimate painter that she can just transmit feelings with his painting, but it's not his painting, it's just a painter that he was very interested about. So from that perspective, it's a bit more like just he's imagining like that time that he talked with this girl in a bar for just five minutes and he just built like all this kind of imagination. I mean, we tend to do that with this kind of, uh, I mean, not frustrated, but it's like with this kind of uh, things that they didn't live up to its full potential, we try to just idealize what they could have been. And yes, it's like especially, it's, right? Like, yeah. Um, how could I have done that better? What if that person had come into my life permanently? Yeah, yeah. And we tend to just think like that person was perfect. You know, with no says or anything. It's like my parents would have loved it. They would have like educated them in new stuff. And at the same time, he actually looks back into their life about like the importance of his parents for him. And sometimes I like, just being idealized because he actually lose his temper like multiple times during the dinner. But it's like still the wife, sorry, the wife, the, the girlfriend, she will be like, you're insane. You should be like just talking. It's true that your parents are a bit weird, but you should be like just talking to them in that kind of way or just hammering, you know, like this. I mean, I, I also, it also just put me in a perspective. It's like multiple times he loses his temper when he's on, uh, on the car. It's like, I think that at those points I will be like, okay, I'm going to be like just detaching and using like the French mechanism here because I'm scared for my life. But I'm going to be like just taking a step back instead of engaging when he starts like yeah, just she, singing, you know. He's like, oh, he never time. really has any natural reactions to his very strange behavior. Yeah. So it feels like for the whole time is that you actually think that it's like this woman is not real. At the beginning, you may think it, but it's like it gets to a point like pretty early into the movie that you just have to accept the reality that she's not real. And it's not about like, oh, I'm giving you hints. It's like, no, it's they never look at the camera and say like, she's not real. But you are writing her in a way and the situations that you're writing that they don't leave anything to the imagination. This is not a big reveal moment. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um... I didn't catch that she wasn't real as early as you did, and I was desperately trying to remember the book. Because oh. There's a lot of differences, book, and it ends very differently in the book. I think Charlie Kaufman, Charles Kaufman, improved the ending of the book. Um, yeah. Yeah, what's yeah it's about? interesting to see Sorry. that what we're seeing is all of these fantasies of somebody, and uh, I really like the way that he did it at the farmhouse. Every time Jake's parents would leave the room or come back, they would be much older or on a deathbed, younger. younger, or, yeah. or like, and she never really had any reactions to this. It, it was all completely normal. Like, when she left the room and came back and the mom was on the deathbed, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, there were never any natural reactions. And I was like, why? Who, who is the, the main character here? Who is it? And I didn't catch it as fast as you, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Honestly, I like it, and uh, when it was over, I was thinking that that's a very interesting thing that I think that Charles Kaufman is a, an amazing writer, but he likes a specific topic that is about like, I want the introspection into madness, you know, into the mind mas madness. It's like, I don't, he tries to just make like these larger stories than they actually look. I mean, it's a bit more like okay, I'm going to be like taking like a small thing that is like this janitor is a normal thing that a movie is going to be like a high school janitor and just reflecting about like 
missing opportunities or you know like not missing opportunities but it's like it looks like the guy is smart probably is not as smart as he thinks he is you know and he has this kind of trivia knowledge I was like, okay it's amazing that you remember this that you can actually recite on your head like this point that you read 40 years ago probably 40 like 50 or 60 years ago it's like it's great but so one of the funniest moments in the film is when the Tony Collette as the mother, the very weird mother, is talking about how proud she was when he got a pin as a as a child, but he got it for um, diligence, and the kid was so disappointed. Jake was so disappointed because he wanted the pin for acumen. So it's just I'm I'm so proud of him, and to see how much he's been uh, able to achieve without having any natural talents or abilities, it's astonishing. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is killing me inside, and it was so funny and weird. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it was so sad. Everything about this movie is like so sad, you know, like purposefully sad. It's a bit more like you have, I don't know, I mean, like this guy that is like at the end of his life and just looking back into, could I have accomplished something different? And how Tony Collette about like puts it into you don't have any natural disposition or any natural talent. He's like, is, is it true? I mean, is it true? Like, is it part of the book? Is it part of a Charles Kaufman narrative? Is it part of the world? That is, you don't have any kind of natural disposition. It doesn't really matter how much you try. You're never going to be accomplishing anything. You're like just, I don't know, like condemned to this life of not even like mediocrity. It's a bit more like just being forgotten by society and not having achieved anything at all. And not, having what? not having achieved anything. Yeah. And he did. So in the book, and I, I really wish I had read the book. I wish I could have just enjoyed this movie. Um, but you told me that you read it. That you don't remember yeah. much about it. But... but in the book, there's this device where, the ch like, in between every chapter, there's this weird conversation between people talking about this terrible accident near, nearby the school. So the janitor obviously it's his fantasies and his parents actually died in a terrible accident in the book and he contemplates about that a lot and did he kill them i don't think so i think he just lived a really sad life like you said and he is imagining what could have been how he could have impressed his parents what if he had this girl and she liked him and he was able to impress her and all of that yeah. yeah, and at the same time, it's like, the only thing that feels a bit weird to me is like, okay, he's building on this girl. He's idealizing this girl. That I, like. I didn't know exactly who she was, but I'm going to be like, you know, imagining that she's going to study to be a biologist. That is like the first version when they're on the car and she's like, oh yeah, I'm studying about rabies and about the kind of impact that they have and have a paper or an essay to write for Wednesday. And then he's like, no, she's a quantum physicist. And then she and then changed. She was like a film student yeah. studying the uh, a woman under the influence. In the influence yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like okay, that's extremely pretentious. How to get sort of this about you know, if you're like just studying a film, is like maybe you will write something like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I only studied like one, you know, like subject, and it's true that it was like just going over, like just trying to be as pretentious as I could. So if you actually just study for three years about this is that maybe that's because how you talk and it's natural so for you something that charlie coffin did so wonderfully in this movie is at some point you can tell they're reciting something and you don't know what it is and you're like almost tempted to pause and search and the one thing that i recognized 100 percent was that she was not reviewing cassavetti's film she was reciting Pauline Kael's New York Times review oh. of oh. a woman under the influence. So when she goes off into this crazy rant, you're like, it's obviously not her. And then you're like, oh, it's fucking Pauline Kael. And in his bedroom, you see that there's Pauline Kael's famous book of film criticism. So oh. you see, you're con just consuming everything in his life. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's yeah. really cool the way he does that. That doesn't happen in the book. Yeah, yeah. And, but that, that makes sense because when she actually goes to the basement, is that you can see the paintings. You can see like the paintings yeah. that she actually shows up and she actually narrates why she does it, you know? And it's hilarious how the father says like, but 
if there is no one being sad on the landscape, why are we feeling How sad about it? Sad? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. This is like, I cannot relate to that. Like, oh, you're like pretty smart. <laughs> oh, the mother, how Tony call it. He's like, oh, you're smart. You're a smart girl. <laughs> I mean, I like it. I like it. I feel like sometimes it's a bit, I mean, in some specific points, it's a bit more heavy handed than it's used. Or not, not a heavy handed, it's a bit more like you can be a bit more, they can be like a bit more of a subtext about what you're doing instead of just being like so like looking at the camera that is like <laughs> you can just I don't know your choice Kapman, is that you can actually be a bit more sophisticated than this so it's interesting because she is a basically a genius no matter what she's interested in yep. studying at that moment she is brilliant so one of the big criticisms of the book was that the the Lucy or Louisa or whoever Whatever, she's yeah. kind of she's stupid in the book and oh. it doesn't really make sense until you realize that she's not a real human she's a kind of a male chauvinist idea of what the perfect girlfriend would be and for whatever reason charles kaufman like flipped that switch and made her like really smart uberkind yeah like just brilliant um but i don't dislike i don't dislike that completely but it's interesting there is this song I mean, I don't remember like the uh, the uh, the singer or anything. That is about what do smart girls want, and it's like smart girls usually want a smart guy to be with them. But smart guys, what they want is a bimbo. <laughs> like, well, These are big generalizations you're making, but I, I know, I know. But it's like it's exactly the point that you're bringing here. You know that it's like Charles Kaufman. What it is is like if the guy, if the janitor is genuinely smart, maybe he wants someone, because the janitor, Jake's character, is like, he's a smart too. They don't say exactly what he's studying, but it's like he's someone that is in college, and he's studying, and if he actually went to college, and he studied something, probably he wouldn't have gone back to his farm to just take care of the parents, and just live as a janitor. He would have done something else with his life, you know? So in the in the book, he is a college dropout, and I think it's because his mom gets sick. I would have to check. He drops out. Oh, gotcha. He back home, and that's how he yeah. ends up as a janitor. But this is what frustrates the fuck out of me, is that I can't separate the two. There's like the book that's very different than the movie, and I'm trying to use the book to interpret the movie, but I think it's like a standalone thing. No, I mean, you may be right. I mean, may, he may have had like lofty aspirations of going to college and just having a career because he was according to what they say is that he's smart he has like at least like this capacity for memorizing things and you know that's that and the lack of a soul is basically what lawyers need so <laughs> he could have made a career of that so uh, one of our three listeners is a lawyer so just be careful <laughs> i'm sorry it's not personal i'm generalizing once again but what i'm saying is that if you have like capacity for memorizing stuff you may have a career, no? I mean, you yeah. there are like just specific positions out there that they require like just have good memory. So that's it. But uh, when you see all the books in his room, you're like, clearly this is a really well smart guy. Like nobody reads Wor Wordsworth and Pauline Kael if they're an idiot. Like, well, <laughs> it sounds really rude, but I'm sorry. That's like heavy stuff that he was reading. We are no longer reviewing the idiots, so now you actually have to say mentally challenged <laughs> or differently able. Please, you, are, <laughs> you don't have the last one to your car to play on this one. <laughs> but no, so you may be right, is that maybe he actually just went to college and he just dropped because of whatever, like, just family circumstances, and then he remained on the farm in Oklahoma, and he never got anywhere. But at the same time, is that they actually saw him just living in a city, because basically it's that like he's just looking through the window at the girl, as Luis, Luisa, like many of the different names that they say, where she's like just waiting for Jay, for John Jake, for just taking him to the parents' farm. So, so, so yeah. what was your take on the ending? My take on the either. So, what part of the ending? Because the ending basically starts when they get to the high school, and he still uh, has like 20 <laughs> more minutes to go. <laughs> so, I would say the ending for me started when she 
her boyfriend runs off into a snowstorm because he thinks he sees a pervert, Jake does, and she's alone in the car. And so she eventually goes in at night to the school and she kind of has this emotional encounter with the janitor uh, and then the ballet sequence starts. <laughs> and then I, there's the animated pig. <laughs> oh yeah. I I didn't dislike it, but when I was checking about like, the differences from the book to the uh, to the movie, they say like the main difference is like when the character, when the female character, actually realizes that it's like I'm just part of the imagination is of uh, Jake. Is like basically he asks for a hunger and she commits suicide like just killing both of them. Yeah, so in the book she realizes that she and Jake are the same person and they go into the janitor's office to hide. And then the janitor comes in and gives her a coat hanger and she straightens the coat, coat hanger and she stabs herself in the neck until she bleeds out and dies. That's such a fucking dark ending. <laughs> yeah, it's super dark. And in Kaufman's version, there's a very expressive ballet that happens in the gymnasium, and it's snowing, and the janitor and Jake have a fight, and the janitor kills Jake, yeah. right? Yeah, well, I mean, the ballet, the ballet janitor kills ballet yes. Jake. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it from the perspective that it's like, it actually connects with his love of musicals, you know? It's a bit more like, look, is, is his mind is the kind of craziness that it can actually happen in his mind. And I felt like from an aesthetic perspective, it was it was cool. I mean, it's it worked. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, it worked for me. Well, I mean, more like this kind of, uh, it connects with the kind of image. I mean, he's a bit of a creep, the janitor, let's, let's be honest, <laughs> you know? I mean, but it's, it's nothing like overt. It's just he's yeah. disturbed and fantasizing all alone. In a yeah, but at the same time, it's like I think that it's not like completely creep from the perspective like he would abuse a student. But it's a bit more like from the perspective of it's like, look, it's my whole world. It's not that it's like I am going to go to Broadway to just watch musicals, but it's like I love musicals and what I connect to musicals through is actually like the students' numbers that they do. Is that from the perspective is it makes sense that he would actually imagine that, like this musical number in high school. So do you think that he died, the janitor? I think that it looks like it. I think that it's like I'm thinking of ending things on the title, the proverbial title is about like him committing suicide. Yeah. I mean more like this, I'm at the end of my life, is that there is nothing else to me. It's like I just think about like just the uh, the pig with the maggots inside. Is like it's like I'm just rotting it. I mean not rotting inside from the perspective that that you know I'm I like rotting from something that it is because they never like just very overt about like him doing something wrong but it's a bit more like I'm at the end of everything it's like there, what is the point of me that I just keep living is that there's yeah, never so going to be like anything beautiful in my life and when I look at the uh, students like just doing this number it's like it's the most beautiful thing that I can just imagine so early on when Jake is showing uh, Lucy around the farm He's telling these like horrific stories. Oh, like <laughs> we used to have these pigs, and then one day the pig stood up and it had maggots all over, so he was being eaten alive. Um, and so at the very end, after everything that happens in high school, he gets into his truck and he sees an animated pig stand up, and all the maggots fall off, and then they walk into school together. Did you read uh, why they use an animated pig? I assume there was his interest in animation from Anomalisa. True. I mean, and they also use like the other like part about like how he connects to this short advertisement, like the jingle that they use of the, uh, I said like Tusa, Tusa Home or Tusa Queen or whatever, like the, yeah, the in, ice in cream store. Yeah, just Dairy Queen. I don't know if Dairy Queen was like, no, don't use us in a movie. Probably not. Probably you can get away with a book with it, you know, but it's like in a movie, it's like, no, you have to pay royalties. Uh, but uh, the reason why they use an animated pig is that they try to use a real pig they actually had trainers but there were like two reasons for not using it the first one is like if you want to just a pig to walk on a high school floor is that you better cover it with someone else because they're going to be like sliding like crazy okay <laughs> yeah because like if there is it's like if it's a sharp kind of surface is that no they're they're not built for that the inside the hops are going to be like just sliding like crazy and the second part is that they wanted to just the pig to talk to a janitor, to Jake's janitor version, is like they cannot turn 
poor head is like even if they would like try to just re-record all over and over is like that's not how they're built is that they can know that just be walking forward and then just look to the side is that that's that's not it it's like just good luck choose another animal but that's not your animal just choose a cow that makes sense and i thought it worked really well despite how weird it is and when the pig stood up and all the maggots fall off it's <laughs> fucking disturbing yeah but it, it works i mean i i really like it you know it's like it was a bit more it's like okay you know maybe there were like circumstances you for use for just picking this but you were smart enough to actually just connecting it you know it's like you start with the commercial that is like disturbing like freaking disturbing when you're like just showing that but they also show is that this is a kid well, i mean this is a person that just grew up in the 50s probably and it's like the kind of commercial that they could see the kind of animated commercial that i just targeted that junkie and then the pig leads him to the gymnasium where he accepts the lifetime achievement award essentially and then he starts singing a, a musical that i think is from it's from oklahoma singing and it's like it's yeah it's i actually check the lyrics because it's like holy shit is like this works so well but at the same time it's like so freaking dark about like yeah basically you actually just have this strange normative of i need to find someone but i didn't and now i'm alone and it's like everyone is like with this extremely yeah and it's like and with this disturbing makeup you know that it makes it like look at of a parody of an old person from the did 50s you, uh, did you watch the credits through to the end yeah and i was expecting it to actually be the car because they actually have like the car where they were traveling to see the parents young jake and lucy's car yeah i was expecting it to actually just like fall down like it's like yeah you never existed <laughs> you know and i know they don't do it but it's like it's pretty clear that it almost looks like a snowman but it's like it's not really a car it's like just like the snow version of a car yeah you can't see it at all um overall i liked it and if you want to know what your time said oh yeah film, i i don't know that i agree with this but um it says that this is kaufman's most assured and daring work so far as a director and if you think about as a director he has three movies he has three movies you know in new york that you told me that it's like so weird that there is no way of actually defending that and anomaly so yeah so okay i do agree with that i thought <laughs> that it was saying like as a filmmaker writer director that's very qualified a.o scott huh. <laughs> uh interesting no i overall i liked the movie it was over two hours long and it didn't feel over two hours the end for me i enjoyed it a lot but i was also expecting the ending from the book which i remember clearly um so and it's interesting to keep comparing this to the book because A.O. Scott says that before he wanted to watch this movie to review it, he bought his novel that he just published called Antikin. And A.O. Scott found out that he's a character in that book and Charles Kaufman calls him a, a nice enough guy for a mm -hmm. hack. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> so it's so fucking meta and I hate that word, but come on, you're like a <laughs> film reviewer reading this guy's novel. And yeah, come on. I mean, adaptation is exactly about that. About like, look, I ran out of ideas. I need to put myself into this because I have no idea what to write. It's like what you guys, the book that you made is like, is not adaptable. It's like, I love it. It's like, it's, it's such a genuine, like original idea that is like, it just made me feel it's like, Charles Kaufman is a fucking genius. It's like, yeah. true. It's like, true. It's like, as a director, I don't think that he's at the same level as he is as a screenwriter. And I, I, I just wish that is that he actually kept working with the Spike Jones. Because I think that is that they are like just such complementary, you know, like his visual style from Spike Jones and the uh, crazy writing style. I think it was like perfect match. And they just Yeah. It's like it's I would say though, like have you seen you know no no, you didn't see his first movie. You can see a marked increase in like sophistication and director skills. Uh, in, uh, in Charles Kaufman? Yeah, yeah, from Synecdoche to Anomalisa to this, you're like, oh, all of a sudden, he's like, he's kind of a good director. I, yeah, sure. I mean, he's, he's, he's becoming a good director, but he's still not there. You know, I think that is like in some pieces of pieces, like if I think the cinematography is great. The cinematography, there are like a couple of the scenes that is like, wow, this, not only like the final part, you know, 
in because I think that the last 30 minutes is almost like detached from the rest of the movie when they get to the high school. It's a bit more like, now we're going all out. We're going crazy here. But it's like even like some pieces when they are in the house, I think that they are good, but they are never stellar. But, so you and I have had conversations about how all of this talent is going to Netflix, right? But for whatever reason, Netflix is kind of fostering mediocrity in their content. And <laughs> yeah. there's two Tony Collette films that we watched that were Netflix originals recently. Oh, gosh. Velvet uh, Buzzsaw. Which one? Velvet Buzzsaw. Velvet Buzzsaw. And then what was the other one? This one. No, but you and I were very curious that we were going to see the same thing, that, okay, there's some talent here and there, but it's kind of shitty. This is something that could have been in movie theaters, like, and I would have been okay paying $25 to see it. This was really good compared to the other Netflix originals that we've seen recently. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, I think that Netflix tries to go over quality over quantity. And these, as you said, do put it like perfectly that I think that this is a bit more of an evolution and just part of the growth trajectory of Charles Kaufman. And I wish that studios, you know, regardless if it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, I think that he actually has another movie coming out as a director that it was delayed. Right, the script. Was it him? Yeah, he was also him. You know, it's like, a, I, at least from that perspective, is that look, you as a director, you are like catching up with what you are as a screenwriter. And he's like, I can put up with that. It won't be perfect, but at least like, the screenplay will be like so crazy that I still want to see it working out on the big screen. But uh, regardless of the execution, everything he puts out, either as a writer or a director, it's interesting. Like, do you ever regret watching one of his movies? No. No, I mean, I still have to watch uh, Cinedoc because I think that just you and many other people told me that this this is crazy. It's like, I'm, I'm just like, I need to have like the correct mentality to watch this. And it's on a scale that I think is deserving of Charles Kaufman's mind. Like, he has a big budget, whereas here you could see there are some small budget concessions he had to make. I think that he has the correct kind of budget for this. I don't think that this feels like an indie budget movie. I think that it's a bit more aloof, it's a bit more of an intimate story, but still you have the correct kind of sets for doing this. It's like you didn't cut by, but it's like this is a movie that didn't need more money for just being done. Yeah, it's like how, story, how? But I'm saying yeah. Charles Kaufman should have as much money to put whatever his fucked up mind is thinking into like a movie. <laughs> true, that's true, but it's like at the same time, he's like Anomalisa, you know, like these kind of stop motion movies, they're like way, they're a bit more expensive than what they look. And it's true that it's like this a bit more of a stop motion movie that it only requires like two characters until the end, until the last scene. But most of the time it's like, is the story between those two. Uh, actually, I lied. His next movie is called uh, Chaos uh, Walking. And it's like, I, uh, it comes out in 2021, and uh, I think that it's a weird one. I still don't know the film stars Tom Holland, you know, and other people, so I have no idea. But it's going to be, he's not the director, and the screenplay is by many people, so I don't know if it's actually like a compilation of small stories. And is this a Netflix thing? No, he's not. So I... Yeah. I, I think that is just weird. So is that the film was scheduled to be released in uh, the United States in 2021, January 22nd. So we are still going to be in the middle of this. Yeah, That's sorry audience. Time. Yeah, <laughs> sorry audience. We are not coming out of this. Please stop lying to yourselves. Uh, but uh, it was originally scheduled to be released on March 1st, 2019, but it was delayed to accommodate the film's results. So, I don't know, it may not be exactly what we expect. It may be like just something weird. Let's just leave it there. Yeah. Uh, in any case, I, I like this movie, and I think that it's like, as we said uh, multiple times about Lars von Trier, that cinema needs more people, you know, like Lars von Trier. There is a guy, don't love him. As a, probably as a person, he's a terrible human being. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. After what he did on, uh, what was it on Cannes with Melancholia? He's like, yeah. Oh God, I watched that. I watched that today, actually. It was on a uh, watch people die inside. And he yeah, just watched Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst next to him. Yeah. And she's like, fuck. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like he, she doesn't know. He's like, would it be okay for me, like, just to stand up and leave at this point? It would be like a reasonable. I mean, I mean he's, he's just defending, you know, like genocide. He's, he's, like, he's, he's, he's like, no, I understand Hitler. I, I get it. <laughs> oh, like, God. At that true. point, he's like, okay, when did you cross the line from just being like a. I don't know, like an interesting, quirky, independent filmmaker, and you are like just blown up insane. And he's like just dancing that dance for most of his career, and at that point he's like, no, I think that I can just say whatever the fuck I want. And Kirsten is like, ah, do you want to just like throw my career down the drain at this point, or, or do you still have like some opportunities ahead? Didn't they ban him, and then the second he had yep. a new movie, the, the house that Jack built, they're like, oh, come back. No, I think that actually with was with no with uh, Nymphomania maybe. Yeah. So, well, regardless, they invited him yeah, back. The yeah. They they didn't they didn't wait until the house that uh, that they built. It's like he was not like such a big, you know, like large uh, kind of a exo- uh, sorry like a band from him. So the thing that I also wanted to ask you is like, what did you think of the cast of this movie? I'm not thinking of anything. Uh, Tony Collette, perfect. Yeah. Uh, the husband, the British guy, I thought he was really good, but a little bit underused. Yeah. He's a really talented actor. Um, and then Jake, to be honest, the, they didn't make a lot of sense as a couple to me. Um, but maybe that's the point, right? That exactly. Right. But she always felt off, Lucy did, and Jake never felt... I didn't feel like there was any chemistry between them. And probably because he never had a relationship to understand what chemistry looked like. So it was probably all part of it, but it felt very jarring until you understand, oh, there's some bigger thing at play here. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. It's like I think that most... And it's something that it connects when they're like just after leaving the house. It's a pretty obvious that it's like... Well, at that point, when they even like just see the, uh, the paintings or the picture, of the uh, young girl, the young ginger girl, I said, who is this? And he's like, well, that's, that's Jake, you know? After just seeing that, that is like, look, if you haven't connected all the dots up to this point, he's like, I don't know how to spell it to you. He's like, she doesn't exist. But uh, at that point, is like the conversations when they're like driving on the car back to whatever they live, they become like even more obvious from the perspective. It's like, it's no longer a real conversation that two people that they are dating would have. It's like something more of how he pictures that those conversations would play out about like, oh, we are so smart and we are so sophisticated that every single conversation that they're going to have is so deep. He's saying, no, no, it's not. He says sometimes it's going to be like just making jokes about it, something stupid. It doesn't matter that you're a Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize winner. Is that there is a functional conversation that if you have never been in a relationship, you don't realize that it's part of the relationship too. So, I I love that. I agree with you. I think that it's like it's one of those like strokes of genius about like how the script like plays out. About like if you only analyze it for face value, you wouldn't realize about it. But it's like it's still like playing with that idea of what a relationship is and what is not. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, Charles Kaufman is always like wondering of the people in our lives which ones are real like what are the real people in our lives and which of those are we like projecting our own narcissism on <laughs> you mean like in that face of having like a fake twin brother <laughs> that's an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind yes <laughs> <laughs> oh well i mean even like being john markovich is like it's about like just being someone that you are not yeah literally inhabiting John yeah. Malkovich is fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a random idea. Uh, did you know, do you like this Je- Jesse Plemons? Jake, like John Jake? I do like him as an actor, yeah. I I felt like he wasn't that great in the role, but I think that was the point, again. Like, I was like, eh, this performance feels a little bit weird. Like, it's, it's very stilted and off and... Yeah, then you get it. That's, that's the point. <laughs> because it's not real, it's his, that's his projection. But did you know, uh, I love that guy. I mean, I think that the first time that I saw him on something, he was in a Friday Night Lights, that it was my introduction. I, I think that I told you this, but it's like I was that show, uh, the first thing that I watched on Netflix after moving to the States. 
these are the first. Well, I'm in America now. Let's learn I'm America. Yeah, it's like I, I have to just know how deep America works. Is uh, that like Texas, Texas football culture? Yes, and my, uh, and my ex told me that he's from Texas. He's like he told me that yeah, that's that's how it works. It's like that that was. I mean, it's true that there are like many things that were traumatized from making a TV show, but that's how people live cinema sorry how live uh cinema sure <laughs> how they live like american football you know in the middle of texas he's like in it's texas, the only thing yes. yep yeah he's like it's a high school but yeah they're not really into it so uh that guy was like i don't know like pretty long when he was doing that show and he had a, a really good career but the last thing that i was in before this it was in fargo that i still keep recommending to you and I'm just yeah. tired of recommending to you, you should watch it. Because in the second season, he actually stars with Kristen Dust. And now they are a couple Stop. because of the role that they did there. In real life? Yeah, in real life. Yeah, wow. they're dating. I just love Kristen Dust. And I was a bit, you know, like, yeah, she was marrying. <laughs> 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 but after watching her in Melancholia, and watching her also, I mean, I think there was a bit more like, okay, you pick at the Melancholies that you went with last one career, you did your art house film, but you were a bit more like a beneficiary of the infinite talent that Lars von Trier has. That's what I thought. That's... All the directors we love, Lars von Trier, Sofia Coppola, it's all... <laughs> Do, why didn't we mention Sofia for Coppola? I thought you were referring to her character in The Virgin Suicides. <laughs> Wasn't she Mary Jane in The Virgin Suicides? Holy shit. I'm adding yeah. it to the list. <laughs> Holy shit, I have forgotten that. Holy but yeah, uh, they, have been in, they have been engaged for three years. Aww. Kirsten Dust and Jessica uh, Thomas. And I was, I don't know, like mind blown by the... Uh, oh, she was actually Marie Antoinette, too. <gasps> Sophia Coppola. I'm adding all of this to our list. <laughs> all of her movies. <laughs> yeah. She uh, good as Marie Antoinette. I haven't watched it. But she was also Bring It On. She and I haven't watched it, and Bring It On. <laughs> I don't want to watch Bring It On. Uh, but, uh, what do we say? I like the cast. I think the cast was pretty good. The only thing is, like, I... And this is something I was talking actually with Eric today, that is like he was mentioning about Knives Out, and I said like, we don't usually talk about cinema, you know, oh, sorry, like movies that they are on, uh, on the cinema, but we would like it, we thought that it was like an interesting, I mean interesting, an enjoyable, entertaining film. Not transcendental, it was a good Donnie's movie that it was okay, but I wish that it had more Tony Collette. And I realized every movie that has Tony Collette, I wish that I had more Tony Collette. Even Muriel's Wedding. Is on our list. I, that's exactly what I told Eric. He's like, that's there. But it's like, even Muriel's Wedding, I wish that I had more Tony Collette. He's like, just remove Brenda. He's like, no one cares about Brenda. And they just fuck her. He's like, just make her like, yeah, I don't know, like a 90 minute movie with just Tony Collette on the screen. Do you know what movie she was great in? You're going to laugh about a boy with Hugh Grant. She's fucking awesome in that movie. She's so on which good. One? About a boy. Oh, I didn't think it was that one. It's a little. A little trite for your taste, I think. But she's like this suicidal mother, and she's just a disaster, <laughs> and she's so good. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I you, really love her. Did you watch uh, United States of Terror? I did. Yeah, I didn't watch I the last season, but uh, it's like the kind of show that is uh, just maintained thanks to her. Because he's, yeah. Now we mentioned like multiple times is that I think there is like it's one of those unfortunate cases that Hollywood is they so biased towards you have to be pretty if you're a female is that you have to be pretty. It's like if you're a male you can still like get away with talent like Philip Seymour Hoffman did, but if you're a female you better be like classically beautiful, otherwise is that you're going to be fucked unless you're. You you... She's classically beautiful. Tony Collette. Uh, uh, no, sorry, man. <laughs> I know, I no, no. I think that she looks in, she looks good in some steals. Yeah, I think that she looks good in some steals, but no, no. Okay, she reminds me. She reminds me. I think no. she's hot, but I'm gay as hell. So, so she reminds me of Yuma Thurman. Yuma Thurman is not classically beautiful, and she had like a bit of a of career, you know, like she's like, ah, yeah, Quentin Tarantino really likes you because 
he can actually see that you're a talented actress. But beyond that... I see her closer to Kate Blanchett. I see what you're saying, but I do think... I think she's gorgeous. But I often confuse female talent with my sexual attraction. We've talked about this. Okay. I mean, I think that she's incredibly talented. That is like one of those like unfair cases that is like, come on, true. I mean, she has like a, I don't know, like a weird nose, she smiles, like pretty weird, but come on, you guys used to like... Female appearances, <laughs> somebody's gonna hunt us down. <laughs> we, we are gay. We can pick on this. I mean, we're not picking. I mean, I'm not picking. I mean, I would make out with her. I mean, I would be like, that's best buddy. She can be my beer for the rest of my life. I wish that she was my beer for the rest of my life, honestly, because she looks like super interesting. I mean, she sounds like super interesting on everything that she does. She's so talented. That is singing is amazing. No, her hereditary. <laughs> but that's that's unfortunate because she had a career before hereditary, and is it like because hereditary? I yeah, she is the mother. I don't remember her at all in that movie. Maybe we should add. <laughs> to this. Oh, I actually wanted to ask you before we go into scoring, but do you think that this is a movie that you know what the twist is? It would actually just diminish its value? No, I don't think so. I think it's a it's an experience. This film is a, an, an experience, and I knew the end, or I thought I knew the end, yeah. and I was still... I wanted to see what Charlie Kaufman was going to do with it, and I really enjoyed the ride, so... Yeah, uh, so, for example, if I think about The Fight Club, as we mentioned earlier, is that it's a movie that, if you know the twist, do you think that the value is lower? No, I mean, we all found out the twist in 1997, and we kept watching it and watching it and watching oh, it, yeah. so I don't yeah. think that that matters at all. No, that's true. That's true. The twist actually just creates like a shift on the story, but it's a bit more of, okay, let's progress the story because it looks like we run out of it. It's like, holy shit. Now we have like a, you know, like one more hour to continue. But, there's uh, so many Easter eggs in that. Like every time you watch it, you find something new. So. Yeah, like a big and juicy dick. Uh, but what about, for example, the, uh, the Sixth Sense or basically every Samalaman movie? And nothing. Uh, so the sixth sense for me, yeah, it takes away a lot. Like you see all the cues and the hints, and you're like, oh, I get it. Um, yeah. I don't. Th I think Signs is pretty rewatchable. Hmm. I can't think of another M.I. I did like his superhero movies that he's done. Judith or Judith? No. I I did. They weren't great movies, but I was entertained by them. Oh. Mr. Class and that other one. Unbreakable, the split and glass. Yes, split is the one. Yeah, I think they're actually. Well, I mean, they're like James McAvoy from uh, Atonement. But it's like, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie. Maybe we should watch it too. But uh, I think that it's like after Atonement, he went to these, uh, these X Men movies. And he basically says, like, Yeah, I don't think that I want my career that much. And people, you know, like just forgot about, like, yeah, he's. He's a good actor. He's a talented actor. And I think that in a split, he's like, okay, the movie is still not something that you would take seriously. But he's a good actor. Yep, I agree. So what would you rate this one, this film? I'm thinking of any things. Uh, I think I have to rate most, right? Yeah, you're correct. I would say... I, I can't. I keep going back and forth between a seven point five and an eight. I would probably say seven point five. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, like with me, I'm between a seven and a seven point five. I will go with a seven point five. You know, not only for just Maxi, what you said, but it's like he's, the script is amazing. It's like I just, I think that if this was directed, the thing is, like I don't know exactly who could direct this. Do you think that Michelle Gondry could do this? Yeah. 100%. And so could Tarsem. I don't think it would be as good. But those three directors, I think Spike Jones could have directed this. Yeah. He's like, he's still, he's, he doesn't have like a vision that is uh, so artistically pleasing. You know, he's, he's not still not there. It's like even like the last 30 minutes when they're on the high school that I think that is the highlight. He's like, he's still missing some punch to it. Yeah, I would agree. And he's like, the thing is, like, when he was partnered with Michelle Gondry and, uh, and Spike Jones, 
or even like as you mentioned, Tarzan, is that these are directors that they thrive on the visual aspect. They don't thrive on the story, per se. Is that they are like just people that are like, okay, we can sacrifice something for just providing something visually pleasing. And I think that Charles Kaufman hasn't developed that. And I don't think, that's the problem that I, that, that I think with his career, I don't think that he will ever have. That he will ever do I it. wouldn't disagree. Uh, maybe I would in that you can see that he's improving a ton between films. So let's see what his next film is. I don't know. But I agree with you. Yeah, there, there should have been something a little bit stronger from a direction perspective in the high school. But I will say, I felt like the ballet and the animated pig were perfect. Just perfect. Yeah, no, that's what I tell you is that the last 20, 30 minutes when they get to the high school is. It's like a different movie. It's like, okay, you went all out here. But before it was like a give and take, you know, there were like some scenes that they were strong when they were in the house. And when they were in the car, it's like, look, there is nothing that you can change here. It's like, it's basically conversations. And it's like basically like half of the movie is like conversations in the car. But also to his credit, them sitting in a car for what? At least an hour in the yeah. movie. Yeah. It, I was entertained the whole time. I, their conversations were interesting. I... Yeah, the acting was good, you know, like the directing was functional, you know, but it's like, I don't know if there is anything that you can do there for just making it more enticing. Yeah. You know, but it's like, if there is something to be done to make it more enticing, I don't think that Charles Kaufman has the gut, well, the gut, no, but the, the uh, how do you say, like the intuition. The yeah, the vision for just making it happen. But Spike Jones, Tarzan, and, uh, and Michelle Gondry, yes, they do. Is that's the reason why I think is like, he can keep growing. But it's like, I wish that in 10 years, one of those three directors came back and says, like, oh, I'm going to be like taking your script and you're going to be like just making it my vision. Now that we're talking about it, I would fucking love Tarzan to direct a Charles Kaufman script. <laughs> that would be like my wet dream, I think. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's actually a really good point. He's like, I have no idea what could happen, but he's like, this guy that has proof like multiple times that he's like, look, please don't write your own movies. Tarzan, don't do it. Don't do it. He's like, just, that's, that's what is dragging you back. He's like, don't, you can't. But he's like, if he actually just partnered with someone that is like really strong as a screenwriter, you know, like a crazy screenwriter that it just gives you like, what does this make you imagine? Is I have no idea what it could happen. It's just a, I don't know, like a ticking bomb, or say this may be a major or maybe a trick wreck. What do you think about the categorization of this film as horror? So that's something that I wanted to ask you because the trailer, ash, it makes you feel like it's going to be horror. You, did you watch the trailer? I think that, yeah, I sent it to you or you sent yeah, it to I, me. A while ago, yeah. Yeah, and it's, they have like these scenes where Tony Collette is laughing but it lasts like significantly longer than it lasts in the movie. In the movie, it's just like, okay, she's laughing, she has a weird laugh, but okay, let's move on. Or the dog, he starts like just like trying to shake the water off and it lasts like 30 seconds. He never stops. Okay, there's something like pretty weird going on. The, the trailer prepares you for something weirder than it actually is. And we're talking about like, they're like just an imagination. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's pretty fucking weird. But is it how they actually display it? It's a bit more of a, closer to what hereditary could be. Fuck you, man. Hereditary's perfect. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I asked because I, when I finished the movie, I told my husband, I was like, you, I think you would like this. It's, it's weird and kind of a thriller and they say it's horror, but there's no violence. And, anyway, I think it's a little bit, I don't, I suspect there might've been a different cut of the film and mm. that's what the trailer was made from. Mm. Um, but, that's true. I don't know. What did you feel about the uh, the basement? Did you like the idea of how they build up suspense about what is in the basement and then it's like, eh, it's just one more secret? Yeah, I did, again, because I was comparing it to the book. In the book, the mother is a painter. Oh. And so when you see all her paintings in the basement, I was thinking about that scene and how they twisted it. So I don't know that I got any like scares from the basement, but I was a lot of connecting the dots. Yeah, I was expecting to see like some kind of a scare from the basement, but for me, I mean, I mean, I don't want to say that it's like, I'm really smart, but for me, when she was like just pulling out like the uniforms from the janitor, you know, like over and over, it's like, I was like just rolling my eyes, it's like, 
So come on. I mean, when she actually just changed her story, is like that's the point. You know, is like, okay at the beginning when she's like just thinking about I'm thinking about anything. And she's like, oh, did you say something? It's like okay, maybe I'm just jumping. In, you know, like jumping the gun from the perspective that I watch like many movies by this guy, you know, I really admire this guy, but it's like when she actually changed her story about like what she's going to be like writing about, it's like this is not a real character. You know, when it's like telling the mother, it's like, yeah, I have to write this, I actually started going to this, it's like this doesn't connect what she said earlier. Is that point is like, come on, at this point, it's obvious already that she doesn't really exist. Yeah, then like he just decides to change what she's studying all the time to his parents. Oh, she's studying gerontology. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I am. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Now I'm going to be like this version of what you want me to be." He said, "I don't know. I mean, I just felt like, come on, come on. It's so obvious." And so when I was reading about like the book about like having this twist, of, you know, like just twist at the end, he said, "Seriously." Is that you were capable of just writing more than 100 pages and just keeping this a secret where Charles Kaufmanger was just looking at the camera and said like, no, it's an imagination, it's an imagination. So that was the only problem what I was like just having with the movie about like, are you doing, why are you doing this? It's like at this point is that we, everyone knows that there is this twist and you're only just doing an introspection, like a deeper introspection about like, how this guy got to be who he is, that is this janitor in high school. Yep. So I, I liked it. A part of me was a bit torn that is like, if this was a studio movie, how would have been this modified by the studio? You know, like producer, like just saying like, yeah, that's cool, but maybe we can just make it a bit more mysterious about the twist at the end. That's an interesting question. Um... I Maybe not. I wonder what yeah. the budget was. Uh, 100 million. What? No, I just made it up. <laughs> oh, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Let me just check it out. Uh, budget, uh, I'm thinking of I don't think Netflix is going to publish that info. They're super secretive. That's, yeah, that may be true, uh, wait a second, I thought that I saw it earlier, but no, maybe I was watching about, no, I think that I was checking the other one, the Chaos Walk or whatever it's called, that's 100 million. But yeah, no, this movie shouldn't have 100 million, <laughs> so no. that you could have I was a like, film more like a five million dollar film. <laughs> yeah, Not really yeah. any big name actors, uh, very few sets. Yeah. yeah, Tony Collette is a big name actor, but it's not like she's a starring Tony Collette. <laughs> sure, sure, whatever. So uh, um, next, yeah, we—I had—it's my turn to pick, and I had picked uh, Mulholland Drive. Which I, <laughs> I love it. Watch. Yeah, I like that you don't do any kind of beat up or anything. It's like, yeah, I pick it up Mulholland Drive. Well, I don't know how I would. Introduce it. With that. I don't know. We were just talking about how we both love David Lynch, and we hadn't talked about any of his movies on this podcast. Um, oh. I would be oh. happy to watch that, but yeah. if you want to watch Tonight in New York, I'll let you pick between the two. No, I will add it to the list, but it's like I think that I need to give it a, 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 break. a, a small break. You know, it's like I think that my plan was like, okay, I'm going to be like watching this on Friday when it's released, and then on Saturday I'm going to be like watching Tonight in New York. And I was, uh, and I still had that idea when I watched it on Saturday like at 2 p.m. and it's like yeah no i'm not going to be like watching another charles kaufman movie back to back that is even weirder than this yeah this this other one synecdoche is a lot weirder yeah and if you actually want to impress someone about picking a muholland drive you should actually just pick you know you should actually say something that's like oh we're going to be like watching muholland drive because i already understood it the first time that i watched it <laughs> because i have david lynch's list of things to choose <laughs> to watch watch for in the movie yeah, I, I love that, that on the DVD they actually had it. It's like, hey, these are the hints for understanding my movie. <laughs> and the hints are so shitty, like, pay attention to the red lamp. I'm sorry, I've watched that red lamp like 700 times. I don't get it. Anyway, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's not spoil it here. Yeah. Uh, okay, man. Anything else to, uh, to say about uh, thinking about indie things? Two thumbs up. I would recommend to almost anybody. I don't. I 
probably won't remember the details. But you you would recommend it to everybody? You would actually recommend it like, to your mother, for example? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, I would recommend it. The only thing is like when you actually connect the dots. Well, I mean, not connect the connect the dots, but it's like at the end of the movie, it feels fucking sad. It feels fucking depressing. Yeah, but, but I, my family isn't uh, against sad moves. Okay, yeah. No, my mother would say like, why did you make this? She's like, I get it. But why did you make me watch this? It's fucking sad and depressing. And probably she would ask me, he's like, why aren't you dating anyone? <laughs> well, to be honest, I thought A Christmas Tale was a fun, like, family holiday movie, and my mom <laughs> found it very sad. So maybe she would hate this movie, but yeah. I would still recommend it. Anyway. Okay. Do you think that you will remember this? You told me that uh, you may not remember like, some other books, no? I definitely won't, not in a year, but I would happily watch this again. Okay, no, that's fair. Uh, did you think that there is anything artistically pleasing about this movie? Oh yeah, I mean, the high school scene, everything yeah. in the high school was just mind-blowing. Not yeah. mind-blowing, that's exaggeration, but like that ballet and the animated pig, I was like, yes, yes, this is awesome. Yeah, the thing is like with that scene when they're like just looking at each other, uh, when Jake and girlfriend, that doesn't have like a specific name, they meet it in their corridors and then the actors, you know, like the dancers that like, come from behind, you know. I find it like so charming. That's the kind of a scene that I think like Miss Algonder would do this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's the thing is like, okay, I mean, at least you are like just learning and trying to get out something from the movies that you did in the past. Because Miss Algonder in The Science of Sleep, probably he did like something like on Be Kind Rewind. I never saw The Science of Sleep, even though Guy Hilston <laughs> Okay, we are adding that. The only and... reason I didn't watch it is because he had just released Eternal Sunshine, and then The Science of Sleep came out and it was PG, and I was like, fuck you, Michelle Gondry, I'm not going to see a PG <laughs> Okay, yeah. I mean, if... Yeah, I'm not going to be like saying anything about it. I don't want to just precondition you to it, uh, to anything about it. But he's learning about like just being a bit more artistic. Not only about like my skill has to be crazy, but also like what I do can be crazy. Uh, for me, I think that I will remember most of it. I won't remember like the specific dialogues, but I will remember about, okay, they go to the house, in the house, Tony Collette is weird, the father is weird, and then there is like this like crazy time jump kind of thing back and forth. I love the dialogue when she's coming, when she actually realizes, about, like, what about if time is not something that we go through, but it's that we are stationary and time goes through us. Through us. I like that one a lot. I don't think that I'm going to remember it in six months. That's for sure. Uh, and if I would recommend it, yeah. But I think that I would recommend almost everything with Charles Kaufman, you know, on the screen. Yep. I would recommend like adaptation way more than this, but no, no, this no, is still you, can't, you can't compare his scripts to his directive direction. True, true. It's but it's game. true. But it's like if I were to say, it's like if you have to read one of his scripts. Probably I would say that adaptation is more enjoyable as a read that I haven't read. That's true. <laughs> but it's like if I had to realize something that is like just there is no action whatsoever and the only thing that happens is like we are in a car without wearing our seatbelts for an hour. I know, that, that super bothered me the whole time. I was like, put your seatbelts on. Yep. Yeah, that's another sign. It's like this is imagination. Yeah. <laughs> From before this. Seatbelts don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man, that, that was cool. I really like watching like a, you know, like a recent movie without like having to be like completely biased about like where time put this movie on. Yep, same, good pick, yeah. good pick, yeah. man. <laughs> Come on, uh, anything else? Uh, not for me. Okay, then this was a great recording and it's 92 in my apartment. Oh, phew, it's cooling down. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> okay, and whoever is out there listening to us, Thank you. I wonder why do you have like anything better to do with your life, but I get it. Wash your hands. Bye. <laughs>